Good morning again, church. You can turn uh, in your Bibles this morning to Psalm 46 this morning. And as you go there, um, I just want to update you on a few things. If you weren't able to see the video from Wednesday evening, uh, the elders have met uh, this past Monday and we were you know, praying and thinking about uh, when we would be able to start meeting together again. And we're working towards trying to uh, start meeting again at the church on May 31st. Uh, and as we do that, uh, we'll, we'll get more information out to you in the next uh, couple weeks as we make more decisions, as we kind of outline how that's going to look. Uh, it's not going to look the same as it always has. Uh, you know, there, things are not going to be the same as they had been when we were meeting together on Sunday mornings. But we believe that as we sacrifice our comforts uh, in order to worship God, that he will bless uh, his people we believe he is worthy of that. He is worthy of us sacrificing our comfort and our desires uh, in order to worship him. There are things that we're going to be working through. Our, our uh, you know, highest priority, obviously, outside of offering ourselves to God in worship, our highest priority is the health of those who come here to worship. So there are a lot of things we're going to be working through uh, to make sure that we're cleaning, sanitizing, uh, uh, the building so that everybody is as safe as possible. And uh, again, we'll be getting some more information out to you soon. Be in prayer for us as we continue to make decisions and for all that goes into this. Uh, let's just pray and invite God uh, again into our time this morning. God, we thank you again this morning the, that you are God who is uh, our protector, our refuge and strength, a God who is worthy of our worship, a God who is far beyond our understanding, yet you meet us and reveal yourself to us in simple ways that we can understand. Father, be glorified in us today as we worship you. Reveal to us your glory as your Spirit opens your word to us today. Father, we love you and thank you for all that you will do. As in your name we pray, amen. Uh, Psalm 46 this morning, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought to the earth. He makes wars to cease uh, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And uh, I want to look at this in this week in light of the things that we have discussed the last two weeks remember two weeks ago we talked about philippians chapter four where the apostle paul was writing through the inspiration of the holy spirit a letter to the church and he was outlining all of these things that should be a part of the christian life all of these principles of god uh, that they should apply to their lives and the things the ways that their lives should be ordered in order to reflect their uh, pursuit of god and their relationship with god and he gets to the chapter four and he basically sums it up by saying all of these things that I have expressed to you, all of these things that you have been taught for me, here is the fruit of this in my life. Here is 
the result of the application of these truths that you are being told. And he says, I have learned to be content in all things, whether in suffering, whether things are good or bad, whether I have material things or I don't, whatever I have or don't have, I have learned to be content in all things uh, because of Christ. Uh, so then we talked last week about uh, perseverance from James chapter 1, where he talks about uh, persevering in Christ, continue on enduring, uh, pursuing Christ. And when we do that, that our faith is increased. When we do that, our faith is refined. And we, when we do that, when our faith is refined, then uh, we are made complete in full in Christ. Uh, and that comes through perseverance. And all of this, it is, it is essential that the Christian is pursuing Christ, pursuing a knowledge of him, pursuing what is revealed about him uh, through the Word of God and allowing the Spirit to reveal to us what the Word of God is saying. But understanding the revelation of who God is and valuing him based on what is revealed about him. Meaning that my life, my decisions my desires, the way I react to things, are based on what I know about God, about what he has revealed about himself, and what I know of him in my own relationship with him. That leads us, when we step into greater and greater knowledge of who he is in that way, that leads us to a, a more and more elevated view of who God is. And when that happens, when we have this grand view of God, this this view of a God who is transcendent of this world. He is beyond this world. He is not a God who is manageable uh, by humans. When we have that view of God, then that affects everything that we say and do, the ways that we react, the ways that we think. And in that, what I want to talk about today from Psalm 46 is the, the comfort that God gives his people as they understand the nature of who he is, the comfort that we receive that casts out the fear that keeps us from being content sometimes, the fear that keeps us from persevering sometimes. The, the elevated view of God gives us comfort because we understand that he is beyond this world, he is transcendent of this world, he is superior to this world, and his disposition towards us is good. And when we understand that then, it casts out the fear uh, that wells up in our hearts sometimes, especially right now in the times that we live in. Uh, I, I'm not saying we should be negligent or we should ignore the health risks that are going on around us. If, if uh, you are somebody that is at, at a high risk, absolutely, there is nothing wrong with you staying home and avoiding those health risks. There is nothing wrong with that. But at some point, for the majority of people, we have to make sure that we balance being reasonable in understanding the things that are risks around us and acting according to that. We have to balance that with uh, understanding that as believers, we can't be consumed by fear. We can't order our life based on fear that is contained within our hearts. We have to find a balance between all of those things that I don't act out of fear, but I'm also not foolish in the decisions that I make and just intentionally put myself in risky situations. Uh, so 
what I want to talk about today, though, again, is the comfort that we receive from our elevated view of who God is and how that brings us comfort by casting out fear in our lives. The first thing that we see in Psalm 46 is uh, the nature of the world around us. We see these things outlined uh, in verse 2. It says, Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, verse 3, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Verse 6, we see it talking about nations being in uproar, kingdoms falling. In verse 9, we see it talking, the scriptures talking about the wars that go on in the world around us. So all of these things that we see in the world around us, and we see this in our own human experience. We see these things where uh, uh, nations rise against other nations and some kingdoms fall and we see wars that never seem to cease. There's always some sort of nation that is rising against another nation in this world. Uh, we even see this on, on a, a personal level, not just nations. We see this on personal, a personal level where we see people, individuals who use others for their own benefit. We see uh, people who will think nothing of cheating somebody else to gain some sort of uh, position uh, of authority or to raise themselves up in some way or to gain some sort of wealth. We see that uh, going on around us all of the time. We see people using other people for their own benefit by uh, emotional abuse, physical abuse. We see sexual abuse that somebody uses somebody else for their own uh, benefit in whatever way it, that would be, that they think nothing of using, of, of looking to their own desires and thoughts and destroying somebody else for their own benefit. Uh, in this, we see that the reason all of these things happen in life, that nations would rise against nations, that we would see wars and all of these things around us, is because of man's struggle to, uh, man's struggling for his own sovereignty. You see, in the beginning, we, we go back and we see in the beginning, in the garden, that man was created in, in God's image. I know I talk about this all, all the time, but it is so significant that we understand everything around us in context of what the Bible says about what man was created to be and what he had become by the decisions that he had, making, that he had made. So in the beginning, he was created in the image of God. He chose to rebel. That image of God was shattered within him. The purpose of redemption, then, is that we would be redeemed from that broken nature back to the image of God being restored within us. We are being redeemed from a sinful nature, a broken nature, being redeemed back to the image of God. And the purposes that we were created to have, the purposes that we were created for, to live for, we are being redeemed to those things. But since the beginning, since man fell... There was some sort of attempt on his part, uh, whether individuals or nations, whatever it is, for man to struggle for his own sovereignty, for his own authority, for his own position, for his own kingdom to be raised up above others. Uh, we see that over and over. That is the effect of everything or, or the, the, the reason for all sort of sin that we see the, and then the effect of that sin among people, the the initial cause of that is man striving for his own sovereignty or position in life to raise himself up and to be the God of himself. That is the reason for all of the, the uh, evil things that we see in the world. Uh, 
But we are surrounded by this on a daily basis. Everywhere we go, within our country, within the world, we see these dangerous things around us, uh, all around us in the world. And God's people are not immune to the effect or consequences of man's struggle for his own sovereignty. You see, God has not looked on his people and said that once you receive salvation, then I am pulling you out of any effect of all of these sinful things that mankind pursues. God's people are still in the midst of all of these things. We still experience the effects uh, of, of the, uh, the struggle of man for his own purposes and his own sovereignty. We still experience the effect of those things. But then the Bible goes on and it talks about what we receive from God while we are on the, in the midst of this fallen world uh, of man struggling to raise himself up to gain position and influence uh, and wealth and status and whatever you can think of. And back in verse 1, we see it says, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their with their surging. So again, he's saying the change. there's constant changing in the world around us. We see this. Uh, even in the day we live in, that that uh, we live in a day where, uh, you know, people want to believe that, uh, you know, even genders don't exist, that, that you can't look even at the physical anatomy of a person and say, yeah, that's a man or that's a woman or whatever it is. The point is, at the root of that issue and a lot of other issues is man's attempt to abolish truth. That is the root of those issues that uh, man doesn't want to live by the principles that God has laid out, that he has founded creation upon. So in that then, as man has attempted to abolish truth, then things are constantly changing around us. There is nothing sure when you have that worldview. There's nothing concrete you can point to and say, yeah, this exists whether I like it or not, whether it feels good or not, whether I am here on this earth or not, this truth still exists independent of me. Uh, we live in a day where uh, mankind can make technological advances and grow an understanding of medicine, but we see this right now that we are still uh, at the mercy of forces beyond ourselves. No matter what we accomplish as mankind, we are still at the mercy of just a, a simple uh, uh, virus. We are still at the mercy of forces beyond ourselves, and that can bring, no matter what technological advances, that can still bring things to a halt uh, for whatever period of time. It's been a couple months now that things have been this way. Uh, so the point is that... Uh, this is saying, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. No matter what is changing around us or how difficult things get in the world or how tumultuous things are getting in the world, we will not fear because God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I will not fear because, again, I recognize who God is. I see who he has revealed himself to be. I walk in an intimate relationship with him, then I know that the things that the Word of God reveals about who he is, I know that it is true then by my personal experience. Now, my personal experience doesn't 
interpret scripture, but what I'm saying is the things that are outlined God by God, when I walk with him, then those things are made a reality in my heart through the Spirit of God and my intimate relationship with God intimate relationship with God, those things are established in the depths of my heart, and I find them to be true. Uh, the Spirit testifies with my experience that God has said this, and yeah, that's that's true. That makes sense with what I am seeing in the world. Uh, so we understand then that the things that God has revealed about himself elevate him beyond this world. They rise him up teach us that he is superior, that he transcends this world. And when we trust that in our hearts and we find that in our experience, then that casts out fear no matter what is going around us. We have to understand who God has revealed himself to be, though. The first thing that we understand, uh, though the world is constantly changing around us and man is trying to get rid of truth and things are constantly tossed back and forth because Man believes truth doesn't exist. In that, we recognize that the Word of God says that God is eternal and unchangeable in His character and being. He is constant in a world that is never changing. He is eternal and unchanging in His character and being. Psalm 93, 2 says this, Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. Isaiah 48, 12 says, Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am He. I am the first and I am the last. Psalm 102, uh, starting in verse 26, says this, uh, They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You, you will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same. Your years have no end. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift from, comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. In Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God has been the same from eternity past and always will be. He will never change. He never has changed. Everything that he has ever spoken is firm and sure. It exists independent of me. It is not dependent on how I feel. It is not dependent on what mankind does to me. It is not dependent on somebody's uh, uh, somebody who has abused me. It is not dependent on uh, whether I have abused somebody else, every word that God has spoken is sure and unchangeable and eternal. It is not something that is dependent on mankind. And in that, then, I can take refuge in the things that God has said, uh, that he is eternal and unchangeable. Uh, the, the things that we see here in the scripture, even, I can take refuge in these things that he the, he says he is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And when he says that, he is speaking a word of truth that is eternal and unchangeable. It has always been, even before mankind was brought forth in his creation, he was, uh, his character was uh, predisposed towards being a refuge and strength in goodness. He would direct himself towards anything and everything in goodness. He would be an ever-present help in trouble. That is something that is never going to change. It never has been different and never will be. He is unchangeable. He is eternal. He is superior, superior to all enemies. Uh, he is our protection. Those are things he has spoken that have always been and always will be. They are sure they are not 
dependent on mankind or what happens in this world. God is these things. He, these are his characteristics, his dispositions. Whether we exist or not, this is who he is, and he has always been and always will be. Um, Psalm 46, then. Um, we're going to go on to verse 4, then. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. God is within his city. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, and God is within her. You see over and over through the scriptures that uh, God likens his people to a city, or we see the Bible referring to the kingdom of God, that God's ruling authority would be uh, established in his people. And that's what we're talking in here about the, in the kingdom of God or the city of God. We're talking about his ruling authority over his people, that his people would come together in Christ, being saved in Christ. And uh, all those who have passed away under the salvation of Christ, all those who have been redeemed, all those who have received salvation in any way, whether they are passed on to be with him now or whether they are living now, they all compose uh, this kingdom of God, or again, we see sometimes the Bible referring to his people as his city, but it says, uh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where he dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God is within his people. He is within the midst of his people. That means that every single day that I wake up in everything that I face, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how many people are coming against me, that if I am saved in Christ, I am this city. I am part of this city. I am a member, a citizen of this city or his kingdom. And there are streams that flow from the throne of God that make glad the city of God. We see this outlined in uh, Ezekiel chapter 47. It talks about the river that flows from the temple of God. And it, it says that uh, the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And then uh, it says that uh, the man had brought Ezekiel uh, a little bit farther. And uh, uh, it says he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led me through water that was ankle deep. And he kept going farther and farther. And the farther he would go, the water would get deeper and deeper. And then we see this in verse 8. Uh, it says, the man said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into Arava, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Eglim. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. So he is saying that there is this stream that is flowing from the temple of God, from the place where God dwells, uh, and it is flowing out into the places where you see death. It's saying the, the sea that they were talking about, this, this river flowing to, was the Dead Sea, where we know that there is nothing that is living in the Dead Sea, but it says it will finally flow into this Dead Sea, and there will be fish, there will be trees, there will be all kinds of life 
wherever this river flows, and it would come into the place where there was death, and it would bring revival, it would bring new life, something that is new. It wouldn't just reform something, but it would bring something new and uh, raise to life that was that that was dead uh, before. Uh, so that's what we're talking about here, is that the people of God can calmly trust God in all things because the Bible tells us, number one, that he is eternal and unchangeable. Everything that he's ever spoken is sure and, and, and immovable. And not only that, though, but then in the midst of the chaos of the world and all of the destruction that lies around us, in, in, in the midst of man uh, attempting to gain position, in the midst of man using other people, uh, abusing other people for his own benefit, we see that the comfort of God remains for his people. It flows, flows from the very throne where he is. It has flowed to us through Christ, and exists now within us through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who brings to us refreshment and renewal and provisions of God and comfort of God. It brings us content. The Spirit of God brings us to the point of contentment and perseverance in God. All of these things flow from the throne of God, and I can experience life in a world around me that is experiencing death. Uh, God's city is not immovable. I can't remember where I read this, but it says, Histories tell us of the rise and the fall of the best earth earthly cities. The city is built on the rock of ages as well by him, uh, whose immutability, almightiness, and eternity hath laid and settles its foundations, the basis and groundwork, firm and incorruptible. You see that the city of God has been established on the work of Christ, the person of Christ, and the work that he accomplished in his atonement and his resurrection, he has secured for us then a living hope and inheritance in God. He has established this city then that is sure, it is incorruptible, it is firm in a world that is constantly changing around us. Um, The next thing we see, then, is that uh, the people of God should keep these works of God, keep these promises of God ever before their eyes. Psalm 46, verse 8. Um, it says, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease. To the ends of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. The beginning of verse 8, come and see what the Lord has done. Come and observe. Keep before your eyes the works of the Lord. Come and see what the Lord has done. You see, that is such a significant thing in the lives of believers that we would constantly fix our eyes, turn our eyes in the direction of God and what he has done, not just in me, but in the lives of those around me. The testimony of believers is a very significant thing. The Bible says that we should encourage one another daily. Part of that encouragement is somebody telling others of what God has done for them, the ways that they have seen him working, the ways that he has brought them through struggles and trials, the way that he has strengthened them, the ways that he has been their refuge and strength uh, in the midst of trials and suffering, um, the ways that they have experienced contentment, uh, the ways that they have been able to persevere in the midst of difficulties in life. It is significant when a believer tells somebody else 
of all of the goodness of God that has been directed toward them in life. Come and see what the Lord has done. Keep those things ever before your eyes. That is one of the reasons that is so significant that we study the Word of God is so that we understand on a, on a consistent basis we are setting before our eyes, before our minds and our hearts, the things that God has revealed about Himself. Come and see what the Lord has done. He's telling us of what He has done. He has revealed that to us in His world. In his word, he has revealed to us the things that he has done, the things that he has done since uh, the beginning in creation, who he has said that he is, who he has revealed himself to be, how he desires to interact with mankind, and how we should interact with him. Those are the things that he has revealed. Come and see what the Lord has done. Set all of these truths in the word of God before your hearts and your minds on a consistent basis to remember what he has done. And then as believers, uh, uh, make it a part of your lives that you would share uh, the goodness of God, the ways that he has worked in your hearts and carried you through uh, the difficult things in life. Uh, the last thing I want to look at here quickly is just in verse 10. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Be still and know that I am God. Uh, so, the pulpit commentary said this about uh, verse 10. It says, Faith becomes larger as faith's object becomes clear. Faith becomes larger as faith's object becomes clearer. Be still and know that I am God. You still, you see, we are able to come to the point where we can stop and be still when we have this elevated view of God. When we see Him as eternal and unchangeable, that every word He has spoken is sure and concrete, is not dependent on mankind in any way, it is not affected by mankind in any way, but it is transcends this world and it is established from eternity and always will be. When we see that in God, we see then His disposition is goodness directed towards us. And when we recognize those things, that, that begins to cast out the fear that wells up within my heart, the fear that is contained in my heart, the fear that sometimes consumes us and directs us. When we encounter situations, we're consumed by fear and we begin to react to situations out of fear. When I recognize God that way, I am able to be still in the midst of chaos around me. You see, it all comes down to having a right view of who God is. I know I say this a lot, but A.W. Tozer said uh, that left to himself, man would inevitably reduce God to manageable terms. Uh that when we choose not to pursue an understanding of who God has revealed, revealed himself to be through his word, when I don't pursue the spirit of God uh, in his testimony of who God is and allowing him to reveal the word of God to me, when I don't pursue those things, I begin to come up with my own concept of who God is. I begin to reduce God to something that is manageable. And a manageable God will never be able to cast out fear from the depths of the human heart. 
The only kind of God that will reduce the fear, to get rid of the fear, to comfort those who walk in fear, to be a refuge and a strength in the chaos of the world. The only kind of God that can do that is the God that exists, that transcends this world, and His truths are eternal. His goodness is eternal. His mercy is eternal. His grace is eternal. All of those things that He is are not dependent on you and I. That is the only concept when we have that concept of god that is the only thing then that can do anything in my heart to cast out fear and allow me to walk in contentment and perseverance in him romans eight thirty one says this what shall we say then in response to these things if god is for us who can be against us you see when i have this elevated view of god the view that he reveals about himself through his word, when I understand him in that way, and then I understand him that way in an actual intimate relationship with him, then I can look at any circumstance that comes my way and I can say, if God is for us, who or what can be against us? There is nothing that can shake me uh, as I face the difficulties of life uh, with God at my side. Uh, That's not to say that it will make it easy. That's not to say that uh, it will feel good or that we'll be removed from difficulties. But when we walk through difficulties, Isaiah 43 says, When you walk through the fires, I will be with you. You will not be burned. That he will walk with us. He will be our strength, our refuge, and our comfort in the midst of difficulties and suffering that we face in this life. God, we thank you again today for the opportunity to worship you, to look into your word and the truths that you've revealed about yourself. Father, help us to attain greater and greater depths of knowledge and wisdom and understanding of what you have revealed about yourself, but then to go beyond that into actually having a relationship with you and understanding all that you've revealed about yourself uh, in interpreting every situation that we face in life in light of our relationship with you and what you have revealed about yourself. Father, cast out fear within our hearts. Help us not to be consumed by fear. Help us to act uh, in the confidence and trust that comes from knowing that you are God, you are unchangeable, and you are eternal. Father, we love you today. It is in your name we pray. Amen.